everybody. I'm Andy Hamilton of Track Wrestling coming to you from the National Wrestling Hall of Fame Dan Gable Museum in tropical Waterloo, Iowa. I'm joined again by the Grand Poobah of the Track Wrestling Rankings, David Mercatani. David, the sun is out. It's 60 degrees in Waterloo today, and it feels like postseason wrestling weather. It's a great day to be alive. How are you doing today? I'm good. I'm good. I'm happy to be with you again. Lots of uh, state championships last weekend. And I just give one quick shout out to uh, St. Mary's High School here in St. Louis. Uh, Scott Winkleman is the coach there. And they had their first state medalist ever. Um, and his name was Corbin Lee. He's a heavyweight, took third. And uh, I just bring them up because my father's the assistant coach there and got to watch those guys this weekend. And it was just Really, really cool to watch that school take that first step and uh, watch my dad and, and Coach Winkleman and all those guys be a part of that. Yeah, that's uh, one of the matches uh, that, that we had, one of the tournaments that we had on track wrestling, a bunch of high school state tournaments on track wrestling over the course of February and, and even spilling into March. Uh, it's been really cool to watch a lot of those events and seeing uh, – um, some some uh, dreams realized for some young people, and uh, just just the amount of effort and, and uh, tremendous wrestling that we've seen at those uh, that those events has been spectacular. We put a match up yesterday um, on the on track wrestling of the third place heavyweight bout uh, from the Indiana State Championships, and. Uh, Man, those guys were throwing it out there. They were throwing lateral drops. They were, you know, going for broke. Ended up being a, uh, I believe, a 12 to 11 match. It was decided uh, on a takedown just as time expired. And it, it's been incredible from my standpoint. You know, I've been really blessed to be able to uh, sit back and, and watch a lot of these tournaments across the country. Uh, you know, last Saturday, uh, last Friday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, this past Friday, Saturday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, this coming Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And as I mentioned, even uh, in the next week, still in the March. So, um, yeah. Well, the headliner awesome. match on, on track was, uh, I think on Saturday or Sunday morning, was Josh Saunders against Valdivia, the state final out of Missouri. And it's interesting because Josh trains with us on the all-star, the local all-star meet, and Valdivia is actually wrestling in border brawl. So uh, it was cool to see Missouri High School get some love there for sure. Yeah, and, and that one's still up on track wrestling. You can watch it for free. A incredible match. It was a hell, a hell of a match. Yeah, goes down to a tiebreaker. As you mentioned, Saunders, Josh Saunders, ranked by Intermat as the number two freshman in the country. Valdivia's uh, had not lost in two years, heading to Northwestern. Yeah. Uh, it's one, uh, if you can hop on track wrestling, um, scroll down through the news thread. You can, you can watch that one for free. Check it out. It's, it's an awesome match to watch. Um, for sure. We've got a ton of stuff to cover today. Kevin Dresser of <laughs> Iowa State, the D1 Dual Series, the Penn State-Oklahoma State Duel, the rankings. Let's start first by giving a plug to our sponsor. Track Wrestling Rankings are brought to you by FantasyGrade.com and the Ultimate Fantasy Wrestling Challenge. Do you know more about wrestling than your friends and people from around the country? Prove it. Go to www.FantasyGrade.com and enter the live event online events, or both. David, where do you want to start today? Well, you know, I guess maybe let's end with 
you know, the, the crescendo stuff. So there were just a couple couple of matches that kind of stuck out to me. You know, I don't think they were the highlight of the weekend, but uh, the Joey Dance-Lambert match, I, that match stuck out to me. I, you know, I think it was really important for Dance to get that seed, you know, to stay where he was, because if he had lost, he, he would have fell pretty substantially. Um, and it keeps him above Lambert no matter what. And I mean, he's probably the biggest Tim Lambert fan now at the Big Tens next weekend. And in that same duel, the, the Tyler Berger-Mastriani match went to rideouts and um, kind of feels like, you know, at that weight, it felt like there was levels. You know, Nolf was kind of on his own level, and then Berger and Kemmer felt like, you know, maybe they were on their own level. But, you know, Mastriani going that close, maybe maybe those guys are a little closer to the rest of the pack than, uh, you know, that what it felt like. So, and then just, you know, I think the duels, that the Virginia Tech-Nebraska was a great duel. Um, I was impressed by that. And then I guess, you know, one of the other things that really stuck out to me this weekend was uh, Sorensen Lugo. I mean, I thought I was really surprised. I mean, Lugo got three takedowns and, you know, kind of looked like he was going to lose that match going into overtime and found a way to dig deep and win it. So, you know, that, that caused a minor conundrum at 49 in the rankings as well. Well, let's get into the team rankings. Penn State remains number one and widens the gap. The Nittany Lions are up to 115.5 projected advancement and placement points. That's the high watermark this season. So is the 24.5 point lead that the Nittany Lions have now over number two Oklahoma State. The Cowboys check in at 91 points, followed by Ohio State at 80.5, Iowa at 76.5, Virginia Tech at 71, Nebraska at 62, Missouri at 52.5, Cornell at 49. Arizona State joins the top 10 for the first time this season at number nine with 37.5 points. And Lehigh is number 10 this week with 37. I don't know about you, David, but I think one of the things that's really interesting, uh, one of the things that's most interesting to me about the rankings each week is seeing who's going to occupy the 8, 9, and 10 spots in in the team rankings. That's kind of been a revolving door uh, all season. Cornell has remained in the top season in the top 10 throughout, but Arizona State, as we mentioned, they joined the top 10 this week. Lehigh, Illinois, Minnesota, Wisconsin, and Michigan have all been popping in and out. It's going to be something to watch throughout the season to see which teams uh, at at the uh, NCAA championships are being able to hold on to those top 10 spots. You know, looking at things from an individual front, at 125 pounds, the worst part of Sunday's dual meet for Penn State, no question, was the beginning. Nick Soriano suffers a sprained ankle and can't continue. Certainly not what you want to see at any point of the season, let alone with two weeks out from the Big Ten Championships. That being said, Cale Sanderson told the reporters afterward that Soriano will be back for the Big Ten meet. Uh, despite the loss, Soriano remains at number two. The top ten or the top nine, excuse me, remains unchanged. Dylan Peters drops from 10 to 15. At 133 pounds, one through 15 remain the same. Ohio's Cam Kelly took a loss to Americans Esteban Gomez-Rivera and dropped from 16 to 24. At 141 pounds, the top 18 remain the same and minimal movement throughout the top 25. At 149, you mentioned that David Patricio Lugo of Edinburgh took down Brandon Sorensen 
of Iowa in overtime. Thorson had scored a takedown in the closing second, the regulation to force overtime before Lugo got that takedown in sudden victory. Sorensen drops from three to four. Lugo moves up from nine to eight. This one outcome affected some some of the other people in the rankings, David. Yeah, and Justin Oliver lost as well. And that, you know, it kind of gave Lugo position to move into the medal points, which obviously helps Edinburgh and the team scores. It, it was difficult. You know, Sorensen's got a great body of work. So does Mays. You know, really, Micah Jordan as well. They've only, you know, lost to the guys, you know, in that tier with the exception of the Lugo match this weekend. And it's interesting to me. I think Mays and Kalika have wrestled 37 times, and somehow Mays and Sorensen have never hit. And uh, and Mays and Rutherford have never hit. So I do know that, I mean, it also feels like that, that well, it's not, it doesn't feel like it's just true that Zane Rutherford hasn't been as dominant this year as he was last year against these upper echelon guys, Sorensen in overtime and Kalika, you know, winning on riding time on Sunday. So it, the seeds are going to be awfully important there. The, the big tens and the Mac are going to have a huge play in how this turns out. So, uh, you know, you could see those those rankings change again. You know, we probably won't have any change at the top this week with only, you know, Pac-12 being going on this weekend. At 157 pounds, we finally got to see Dylan Palacio at 157, and he looked pretty good, putting up a lot of points late to score a major decision win in Cornell's dual victory against Ohio State. This guy's major job difficult all season long, David. You put him at number six. Can you explain why? Yes, uh, he beat Joe Smith head-to-head twice last year, including at Nationals. If you don't put him there, I really don't know where else you do put him. Uh, it just felt disingenuous to, to not rank him where he is. I know he's only got you know five, six matches this year, and so I could understand people saying he doesn't deserve to be ranked at all. But I also believe that the seating committee will recognize him and seat him. They did that last year with, Kyle Snyder, I know no two situations are identical, but he's healthy now. It's never like he's been unhealthy, and he's going to wrestle, and I have to believe he's going to get a seed, and it feels to me like that's where he'd be seated, so it it felt like that's the best argument for putting him there. We've talked about this a lot. Some rankings you feel really, really strong about, and some you just have to put a number next to a guy's name and move on, And, and this one certainly falls in the latter category. At 165 pounds, the top nine remain the same. West Virginia's Dylan Cottrell handled Edinburgh's Austin Matthews, so Matthews falls from 10 to 13. Cottrell moves up from 13 to 12. Moving ahead to 174, David, you kicked around the idea of putting Zahid Valencia up at number one a few weeks back when Zach Epperly lost and Bo Jordan had been kind of in and out of the lineup. There's no question Zahid has been the best of the bunch uh, this season here. Uh, he finally moves up to number one after Brian Realbuto took down Bo Jordan. Three to two on Sunday. Realbuto moves up to two. Jordan falls to three. Also, Jordan Pagano of Rutgers knocked off Ryan Preach of Lehigh on Friday night. You get a chance to watch either of those two matches? I, I saw the Rutgers. Yeah, I saw that one. And uh, I, I watched the, the Realbuto match with Jordan live. And uh, yeah, this first of all, to go back, 
that match made it really easy to rank Sahi number one. Obviously, he's the only undefeated guy, complete no-brainer. Um, yeah, I did watch them both. And Priest is kind of a hard luck guy. He's He's been winning against a lot of guys. He's a guy, if he can somehow avoid that, is really dangerous at nationals. Uh, Ethan Ramos, I don't know if we have him in the right spot. He might be a little high. I think that'll get sorted out at ACCs with him and Epperly. And then the Big Ten is really going to be interesting with Jordan and Hall and Amin and Brunson and Meyer. That That's, you know, and now Pagano. I mean, that's that's pretty loaded at the top. So it's it's really interesting. You know, Mark Hall, again, is a tough guy to, to rank. I mean, I think people forget that he lost to Brucky and forget that he lost to Meyer because he's been winning – you know, handily for the most part, except for the match with Crutchmer. So if he had lost to Crutchmer, this ranking thing would have been really, really tough this week, for sure. At 184 pounds, minimal movement throughout the top 25 at 197. Matt McCutcheon of Penn State moves up from 9 to 7 after down in Preston Weagle of Oklahoma State. So that creates a little more divide between the Nittany Lions and the Cowboys in the team standings. And at heavyweight, Pitts, Ryan Solomon knocked off Duke's Jacob Casper. Casper falls one notch uh, from four to five. Solomon moves up from 19 to 17. David, big news out of Ames. Um, I I know that's a a program that that you have your eye on, program where you used to wrestle. Uh, What do you think of the news that Kevin Dresser will take over as the Iowa State coach after this season? So many thoughts, and they're all positive. Uh, you know, I, I've talked to people that really know Kevin Dresser, and they said he's extremely driven, extremely focused, has a process, believes in it, and has executed it, and no reason to believe he won't be able to do it in Iowa. I, you know, you probably shouldn't, you know, I guess in, you know, like in cocktail parties, you're not supposed to talk about money, but I think it's absolutely fantastic they paid him what they paid him. I think it's great for college wrestling. I think it's great that Iowa State is committed to winning and and getting they, who they think is the right guy and probably is. And I think that's good for college coaches everywhere. I think people in wrestling need to look at it more like a business that everything shouldn't be free and, you know, knowledge and all these other things are, are they have a value. And, you know, I, I'm friends with a lot of the guys that I've interviewed. So, you know, I don't have a dog in, in, in the in the race, but I, I really hope Virginia Tech considers Tony Roby as a strong candidate there. He's paid his dues. He's a really – he's a good man. He's a good coach. I know that's a great job. I always hope he gets strong consideration. And Iowa State had to do this if they wanted any chance of saving their recruiting class. It'll be really interesting because what I know of Dresser, and I am good friends with Kevin Jackson, their personalities – are very different. And so, you know, I recruited for a lot of years and I was recruited pretty heavily coming out of high school. And, and the company line is, you know, you go for the school, but you don't, you go for the, the coach and the coaching staff, as long as they have your major, unless it's something crazy. So it'll be interesting to see how these guys connected with KJ and the Paulsons and uh, Kevin Dresser's ability to, to save that class and salvage that. I talked to somebody I trust, really trust last night. At least I, he feels very strongly. At least one of those kids isn't going to stay there, but you know, it's, it's just rumor. So I'm not going to be specific, but 
if he can save most of that class, then then they made the the right decision at least initially. And I th- certainly think, and you know, you live up there. I certainly think this brings new life to the Iowa Iowa State rivalry because it really hasn't been much of a rivalry for a long time. Yeah, for sure. And I, I can't remember the exact figure whether it's you know forty three of the last forty five. Um, or 42 of the last 44. It's it's one of those two that Iowa has won in the series. Just has not been the same kind of buzz around that series that there was. Uh, you know, going back to Kevin's early years, uh, Kevin Jackson, um, his mm-hmm. early years at Iowa State. Uh, you know, Kale's uh, the the first year where we had uh, Tom and Kale sitting in the corner chairs as head coaches was absolutely awesome. Um, you know, I think that's the one where uh, it kicked off with fireworks with Perry and Paulson right out of the gate going to OT and both coaching staffs in the middle of the mat. And, and uh, at that moment, it was like this thing is on. And then the next year over in Ames, the place was uh, the place was packed. I think it was a one versus two showdown with. Uh, I'm not mistaken, Iowa State might have been number one, and Iowa took over the number one spot after that dual meet. And then, you know, go back to Iowa City. Um, if I'm not mistaken, the following year was uh, uh, when they set the attendance record, uh, uh, broke the attendance record, which has certainly been blown out of the water since. But uh, um, rivalry to me during the, the you know, 19, 18, 19 years I've covered college wrestling was no better than it was at that point. I think, you know, now we have a chance to maybe get back to that. Um, as you mentioned, there were uh, ramifications with trying to salvage this recruiting class for Iowa State. Um, they uh, not only get their coach in place uh, in that window with, uh, uh, you know, where, where Kevin Dresser can still um, – keep those guys on board or at least attempt to keep those guys on board and, and also get a head start on recruiting. They also get a guy that has uh, proven, been a proven winner everywhere he's went. He's, he's built programs. He's maintained programs. Um, they get a guy that, uh, you know, takes over a Virginia, pro, Virginia tech program that, uh, you know, was in a pretty rough spot um, at the point where he took it over and, and, leads them to uh, their first NCAA team trophy a year ago. Uh, right. I'm with you. It was, I think, a tremendous hire for Iowa State to get uh, also a guy that's familiar with the state landscape. He grew up in, in Humboldt, Iowa, which is uh, well, roughly about 80 miles from Ames. Um, you know, a guy that uh, has still uh, recruited the state of Iowa. I know that, uh, you know, Virginia Tech has been after um, or you know, a couple of the top juniors in the state, you know, for uh, sure. Brody yeah. Teske from Fort Dodge, Alex Thompson from Underwood. Uh, I think that they've uh, uh, explored those two guys. So uh, I imagine that there are going to be some recruiting battles now between uh, Iowa State and Iowa, uh, throwing Northern Iowa for, for all those in-state kids. So I, I think it certainly is a good hire from that standpoint as well. You mentioned the money, uh, seven years, $2.25 million. That takes Kevin Dresser into the upper echelon on the pay scale in college wrestling. Uh, I, I think we're going to find out more details uh, on Wednesday when Kevin Dresser is uh, um, introduced to the media for a news conference in Ames, during a news conference in Ames. But I would be surprised if they're not making a pretty strong commitment to their freestyle club on top of it. And, and I imagine that uh, 
you know, the, the Jamie Pollard, the Iowa State athletic director, is uh, bumping up assistant pay as well. So going to be interesting yeah. to see uh, what I, what Kevin Dresser can do with the Iowa State program, for sure. Yeah, and, I, you know, I think most of us are fans of other sports, and I think Iowa, Iowa State, it, it feels like, okay, it's like when the Cowboys are good in football or the Yankees are good in baseball, like you love them or you hate them. But it's it's good. It draws more eyes to the sport. I and you know I went to Iowa State, and no offense to any other state in the country, but because Iowa doesn't really have any pro sports teams, and it's a state that actually really loves wrestling, it, it's important that there's you know they have two good programs there now, but Iowa State needs to be good. I think, and you know they need to be not just a team that has a you know a subpar regular season and it ends up peaking at nationals, but it's kind of like three or four months of drudgery, and then and then they, you know, kind of come out of their shell. It's you want them northern. They're like, man, that's going to be a good meet. Wow, you know. And we all know what happened last year with the oranges comment and everything else, and and now they got to wrestle, and there's not going to be any love lost. And I think you had to hire somebody at Iowa State that, you know, frankly, just isn't intimidated, you know, by the, the staff at Iowa, and I don't think Kevin Dresser is. I think he welcomes that opportunity, and I think there'll be fireworks literally and, and, and metaphorically, you know, soon. I, they got a lot of horses in the stable. I mean, they just had a kid that made the Dave Schultz final, the redshirt freshman. So, and they got some studs, and I, I don't think it'll be very long before that, that dual meet is much, much closer than it has been. Yeah, and um... – you know, one of the things that's really unique about this is just the timing. I mean, we've, you know, I can't think of anything like this that our sport has ever seen. I mean, you see college football hires that take place where coaches uh, move on to the NFL or they move on to different jobs and they don't coach the bowl game. Um, right. You know, you see things like that. You know, can you ever think of anything similar to this in our sport? No, I can't. We were actually talking about this Sunday when we were getting ready to watch Penn State, Oklahoma State. We'll get into that in a minute. But, you know, this news, it came out and it was kind of still a rumor at that point, but pretty much confirmed. And, yeah, I mean, football you talk about, I remember in uh, basketball that Michigan one year fired their their coach quit, excuse me, to take another job. And was going to coach the tournament. And Bo Schembechler said, I want a Michigan man coaching Michigan kids. And Steve Fisher got the job, and they won, They ran to the national title. But I haven't seen anything like this in wrestling. And it's it's going to be really interesting. You know, Virginia Tech wrestled well, you know, overall. Sunday went in the duel. Um, focus and mindset are always important in wrestling, but really, really you know, more so at the end of the year. So it's going to be, I'm incredibly intrigued to see how this is going to turn out. If those guys, you know, sort of rally around what's going on um, or if they get distracted, you know, and, and, you know, you don't really root for anybody in our job because, you know, you have to be impartial, but I really hope this, this doesn't change their focus. They're able to just wrestle to their level of ability, but yeah, it's certainly a unique one-off and it's, you know, it, it was the biggest headline of the weekend until Sunday afternoon, for sure. Well, Sunday afternoon uh, went down in Stillwater, Penn State 27, Oklahoma State 13. 
Uh, we mentioned the Suriano stuff at the top. Certainly unfortunate. Penn State gets out to a 13-0 lead. Um, you know, the debate at 141, Dean Heil, was he pinned? Was he not pinned? He was not pinned uh, in terms of the referee slapping the mat. Now, other people might have had other opinions. Nonetheless, it was 13-0 right out of the gate. Penn State reels off seven in a row to close out the duel. David, let's just, you know, do some inventory here. What were the main takeaways for you from Penn State, Oklahoma State? I think I always look at these matches in terms of if I was coaching. And if I was coaching and I was Penn State, you know, obviously we're concerned at 25. 33, Carpenter got the last takedown. 41, Gulliban always wrestles him tough. 49, that might be a little cause for concern, although Kalika's traditionally wrestled him close. But the matches before kind of felt like Kalika was keeping it close. This year it felt like he could actually win the match. 57, they looked great. 65, they looked great. 74, that's a hard place to win against a good kid, and they found a way to win. 84, with all due respect to everybody else, I think everybody's really excited to see game team Bo Nickel in a month. Um, 97, they won a big match for seeding. And then, you know, heavyweight, obviously the duel was decided. So, you know, there really wasn't like a real match there in terms of what will happen at nationals. You know, Oklahoma State, I mean, if you're looking for high points, uh, Kalika, to me, even though he lost, would be a high point. And I think... Yeah, it's it's a struggle. I mean, Kate Brock came out really well early, did what he needed to do. Looks like it looked like really that adrenaline just got him, and he just you know got tired. Not from cardio. I think he just just kind of wore himself out trying to get to that tech. And Carpenter's a scrappy kid. He doesn't give a, you know doesn't give anything away. He makes you earn it. Um, you know, I listened to Eric Guerrero's interview with Shane, and, and they got work to do, and they know it. Uh, you know, and they they got to get ready for Big 12s because the seedings and the rankings and all that stuff do matter. And the coaches' rankings are part of the seeding formula. So, you know, they need to perform well and not only win, but win as dominantly as possible. So it's uh, – I, I think those of us involved in wrestling and rankings, even though, you know, in the dual meet rankings, Oklahoma State was number one coming in, you thought they'd have a hard time winning it. When they ran out 13 to nothing, it kind of felt like, and then even though they lost 49, it, it almost felt like a win for them. You're like, well, you know, they can win 65, they could win 74, and they could win 97, and they didn't win any of them. So, you know, there's no way to win a duel when you lose 7 out of 10 matches. It doesn't matter. You know, there's just no math that, that works that way. Well, let's talk about 57. Uh, you mentioned Jason Alf feeling like he's on a level all by himself. Man, what? The, I mean, at this point, if you're putting together a Hodge list, is he number one? I, I, you know, we were talking about that. We we're talking about the rankings and all that stuff. And I think what's really interesting, yeah, I mean, to, to answer your question directly, I think it's Nolf. And then I think it's probably whoever wins 184. Because both those guys are killing it, and it really wouldn't surprise me if one of those guys put the other guy in the back in the finals. And if that happened, you know, they could win it by beating an equally dominant guy in the finals. 
you know, one of the things that's really impressive about guys like Nolf are just his volume of attacks. It's just mm-hmm. how many attacks he fires off. And, and I was thinking about this. I wanted to try to talk about this fairly intelligently. You know, we're watching all these state matches and all these duels and everything. And, you know, a lot of guys were talking about, like, uh, you know, Mark Hall crutch running. He knew it was going to be a one-move match. You know, and, and I've coached and I've wrestled in matches where, and this is a one-move match. This dude is just too tough. He's, you know, he's as good as me. He might be better than me. Nolf has no fear of losing takedowns. He's lost takedowns to guys that I don't even know if they were ranked. If they're ranked, you know, the bottom tier. He doesn't care. And mm-hmm. that's probably the biggest compliment I can give him is he's fearless. I mean, it, it's it's so cool to watch. He just, he has no fear. And that's just amazing to watch because... You know, the rest of us, if you know, if you and I are even, I'm, I'm not going to fire off nine attacks because if you're a good wrestler, you're go behind defense, re-attack defense, whatever you want to call it. It's really good, and I, I can't give away two, three takedowns. He doesn't care. I mean, he wrestles Kemmer, who's ranked number two, the same way he wrestles, you know, the guy in the first match of the Keystone Classic. He just doesn't care. And, and to me... You know, I wrestled with fear like that when I was wrestling really good guys. You know, I'd like to say I didn't, but I did. I'm like, man, I can't make a mistake. I'm going to lose. This guy's too good. I would love to listen to that guy and just figure out how he gets over that fear because I think that's, you know, that's the million-dollar question. And I'm sure you're going to say, well, I train hard. I train with good guys, this and that. But there's a lot of guys that train hard and with good guys. There's something else in that kid's brain that's really special. And, you know, I, I would love to listen to why he's able to function at that level of fearlessness because it is super, super intriguing to me. For sure. And you mentioned the attack level, the pace, you know, the, you know, as you put it, you know, perfectly, the lack of fear. I mean, he he might give up a takedown or two, but he, you know, knows he's going to score 10 on his own. It just doesn't care, uh, man. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And, and, you know, when you, when you start looking at, uh, you know, the way that Joe Smith's career began and, and all the accolades, you know, that Joe Smith has, has accumulated up to this point in his career, I can't imagine anybody at any point ever think, you know, ever imagine that Joe Smith was going to get, going to get tech fault. let alone In Gallagher in Iowa Arena. Yeah. It, yeah. Yeah. Where he grew up. Right. I mean, and Joe's a stud. I mean, you know, you know he, he's battled health issues this year, so he might not be 100%, but he's still a freaking stud, man. I mean, and it's just frightening. Like, I think the only way to beat Nolf is for him to do something stupid and you catch him and pin him. Like, I think that's the only way. I, I, I You know, at least till he gets out of college. You know, and then, you, yeah. know, you, you know, he wrestles the international guys, and sometimes the high-volume stuff hurts you. You know, but... I don't see how he's going to lose in, in college unless he just gets caught. Yeah. You know, if yeah, I was wrestling him, good scrambler. Yep. If I was wrestling him, I'd try to split him or throw him for seven minutes. He's the only thing that's <laughs> going to work. He can catch him in something tight, you know? So, yeah. He's super impressive to watch. And if you're a fan of wrestling, literally, unless your guy is wrestling him, you can't help but love how that kid wrestles. He's just so fun to watch. I mean, and he, he's trying new stuff, and he doesn't, you know, I'm watching the warm-ups, and he just, they don't even seem nervous. 
I mean, confidence is so important. And, you know, fear and, and greed are, you know, really motivating factors, but, you know, in life. But when you can be calm out there and confident, and we've all had that in our life. You know, I mean, you sit down and write an article, you know, you're an award-winning journalist. You know what you're doing. You know, we all have certain things we know we're good at. And it doesn't matter, you know, in your case, maybe how many other people are going to write an article. You know you're just going to be good or the best. That guy against everybody else in the country, he's not thinking about winning. He's thinking about bonus. Yeah, he's thinking about putting 25 points on the board you know, or, or pinning somebody. Yeah, for sure. it's crazy. Yep. Crazy cool in a yep. really cool way. Yeah. Well, a week ago, you know, you sort of laid out uh, what it would take for Oklahoma State to win that dual meet. And, you know, certainly – you know, being up six zero out of the gate was not one piece of that equation. <laughs> sure, right. Um, but the big part of it was, if, if they were going to win, if if the Cowboys were going to win, they had to make something happen at sixty five and seventy four. And Vincenzo Joseph comes out, scores a major decision against Chandler Rogers. David, just you know, what was your analysis of that twelve to four victory for Vincenzo Joseph? I think Vincenzo Joseph is a bad matchup for Chandler Rogers. I'm not saying he can't beat him, but certain styles work that way. And you know, Chandler Rogers, you know, I read an article about him and, you know, my, my family actually has a, a good relationship with him and he's just a really, really good human being. He's a great kid, works his tail off and he's, he loves to perform and he thinks of it as a performance and he's trying to score points. You know, it's similar to Nolf. He's just not quite as good as him. But he does a lot of high-risk stuff. And, you know, if you're super, super fundamental, um, you can catch him. And, and you got to think, you know, who's Vincenzo trained with? He trains with Nolf. He trains with Rutherford. And, you know, probably when Nickel feels like going with somebody lighter, he trains with him. So he's probably seen every kind of funk you can see. So, you know, they – I actually privately wondered if Penn State's lack of schedule first semester was going to hurt them. And, you know, I can say it now, I guess. I was completely wrong. I didn't really go out and say it publicly, but I could not have been more wrong. They've done such an amazing job of peaking those kids. I mean, certainly they have another month left, two more meets, and those are the ones that matter. But they look fresh. They don't look tired. They don't look low energy. They look excited. They look like they're pulling for each other. I mean, I listened to Shane's interview with Nickel afterwards, and he's like, yeah, you hate to see one of your, your, your teammates' brothers get hurt. You just got to go out and score more bonus and win. And that's a scary attitude those guys have. You know, because you, you need – Penn State's going to have to beat themselves. I mean, it feels like the teams are in second, third, and fourth are closer to each other than they are to Penn State. It, it just feels that way. I mean, I could be wrong. But they've, they've passed almost all the tests. You know, before you're like, well, maybe this guy won't, maybe that guy won't. Well, I think the only thing you can say bad about Penn State right now is they're probably only going to qualify nine guys for nationals. And depending on Suriano's injury, if he has to wrestle one match and sit out, maybe he won't get quite as high of a seed. But everybody else is – it certainly feels like Gulaban's going to be in the medals. It feels like they're going to – they're the favorite at 49, favorite at 57. feels like they're going to be in the semis at 65. Um feels like – they're going to medal and could possibly win it at 74 based on his history with Saheed. It certainly feels like they're going to bonus their way to the finals at 84. It feels like McCutcheon is 
put himself in the All-American conversation for sure, and it feels like Neville's is a top-five heavyweight. Nobody else can beat that with all those bonus points. It's just it's mathematically they're going to have to screw up, you know, that otherwise the team race is over. Well, this week's light schedule, Pac-12 championships. Um, anything you have your eye on out there? Yeah, I mean, I know the team race is really important out there to those schools. I know, um, you know, Arizona State hasn't won it in a long time, so I know that's, you know, important. And it's always interesting when you look at how teams do in, in small tournaments versus big tournaments. I mean, Arizona State's the highest-ranked Pac-12 team we have. But that doesn't mean they're going to win the Pac-12, you know, because Zahid right. Valencia scores a lot. Yeah, I mean, right. He scores a lot more points at Nationals than he does at uh, the Pac-12 in, in terms of other guys. So, I mean, I remember one year I coached the team and we took fourth at Regionals and then third at Nationals, and we probably should have taken second. But we just had two or three holes. And so when all these guys were scoring 10 points there and we had zero, that's how they passed us. I made a bet with all the other coaches. We beat them head-to-head, and we won because we had guys that could go deep. But in those shallow tournaments, that's it's going to be really interesting because uh, Oregon State has a lot of balance. Stanford's good. You know, they, they're pretty balanced, and they've got a couple studs like McKenna and those kind of kids. So uh, I don't want to leave anybody out, but it feels like those are kind of the three front runners out there. And I imagine it's going to be nip and tuck. and uh, but you're right, it's a light week for us. The only problem for us is that it's it's late. I don't think they start the, the finals till like seven or eight o'clock central time. So, you know, we'll be I'll probably be watching them live on Pac twelve network and then putting the results together Sunday night. David Mercatani, thank you as always for your insights. My pleasure, sir. You can check out the track wrestling rankings on the homepage on track wrestling. The track wrestling rankings are brought to you by fantasygrade.com and the ultimate fantasy wrestling challenge. Do you know more about wrestling than your friends and people from around the country? Prove it. Go to www.fantasygrade.com and enter the live event, online event, or both. If you're listening to us on track wrestling, you can download and listen on the go on the Matt Talk Podcast Network. If you're listening to us on the Matt Talk Podcast Network, you can check out David's rankings on the track wrestling homepage as well as coverage from this past weekend's Division One Dual Championship Series. We have the Miles Martin Gabe Dean match up there for free. We have all of the matches from Cornell, um, Cornell, Ohio State, Appalachian State, Indiana, and Lehigh Rutgers, all up there, archive material up for free. Check those out, and we'll be coming out in the next couple days with our uh, College Wrestling Division One Conference Notebook Series, as well as coverage of Kevin Dresser's introductory press conference and aims. Thanks for listening. is part of the Matt Talk Podcast Network. For more wrestling podcasts, head over to matttalkonline.com.